Hello and welcome to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik and I'm the founder of Honest Politics LLC. My company does high-level political advice for people, but not for politicians. I used to say consulting, now it's advice. So this series is going to be elections questions. It's going to be me answering your questions about what matters most in the upcoming presidential election. So we have questions from three listeners. It's going to start with a question about how we track absentee ballots. Then we're going to look a little bit at the Supreme Court. We're going to look at if you can vote for someone by single issue. We're going to look at voter fraud. And lastly, we're going to see how do candidates declare victory in the elections? What makes them declare victory? How do they decide that? And what can you do if you want to cheat? <laughs> okay, never mind. So we're going to go to Maria's question first. She asks, my question is about mail-in ballots. Is there one reliable place to check if my ballot will arrive? How will I know it'll be sent on time and counted? Immediately my mind went to a podcast that the 538 conducted where they asked the Secretary of State of Ohio how they could do their elections and he was very forceful about how you can track your ballot. And in fact, in New York City, you can track your ballot. But in Westchester County, New York, which is where Maria is from, apparently you cannot track your ballot, which is kind of unfortunate. I verified this by looking at um, a newspaper report. I went on Westchester County's website. I went on the New York State website. And I even checked Reddit to see if someone upvoted a link to a tracking site. And the most recent information says there is no tracking. I'm going to give a quick explanation of how I did this looking around, and then I'm going to tell you what you can do about your absentee mail-in ballots. When you want to know something about your elections, go to the source. The federal government, so Donald Trump, does not control elections in this country. Elections are controlled by the local governments. So first look at your county. Your county should have a board of elections or something similar. Look at your state. Your state helps run elections, too. So when I went on the Westchester County website, they had some advice. They say, put your ballot in the mail to ensure that it arrives no later than Tuesday, November 3rd. Well, it says you have to postmark by Tuesday, November 3rd, but we'll get to something in a minute. You want to put your ballot in as early as possible. You can bring it to the Westchester County Board of Elections office. You can bring it to an early polling site at any time during early voting, or you could just bring it to a poll site on election day. New York does have a website where you can track your ballot only if you're an overseas voter, so it's kind of weird that they don't have a system for non-overseas voters, but whatever. My advice, get it in as early as possible. I did a poll worker training just last Saturday, and the thing that they stressed is that they don't even really count absentee ballots until the day after the election, but you never know how much mail is going to be flooding through. The 538 Politics podcast was saying, like, it could take longer than usual. Things could get delayed. So if you put your ballot in early, like as soon as you get it, you hire Honest Politics to look at all the candidates for you and to, uh, help you decide who to vote for. And then you put your ballot in as soon as you can. If you do that, the Postal Service is almost entirely reliable to get your vote in and counted. And you can check after the election because I think everyone's voting record is public knowledge. Vote as early as you can with your mail-in ballot. 
Make sure you read the directions carefully, sign everything, and if you have questions, call your Board of Elections in Westchester County or whichever county you live in. All right, so we covered mail-in balloting. Next, we're going to go on to Jane's question. She wanted to know a few things. First, the Supreme Court nominations are in an election year. What's the past president, and should Trump wait or not to nominate someone? And I did what any reliable researcher does, which is I turned to Wikipedia, because Wikipedia can actually be a useful resource. It's not good for, like, writing papers and academic articles, but for quick references to something that's very factual-based, like what years were Supreme Court justices nominated, you can use Wikipedia and trust that it's at least mostly reliable. So I looked at every election year from 1944 until today. I didn't care about anything before World War II because this country's role in the world is fundamentally different now. From 1944 until 2016, there was only one time when there was a nomination during an election year. So there's basically no precedent until 2016 when the Republicans decided not to even consider Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. And then 2020 when Republicans suddenly decided that they wanted to consider Justice Amy Cohen Barrett to the Supreme Court. So in 1968, which is the only other um, time there was a election year nomination, it was kind of complicated, so it's hard to draw precedent from it. The Chief Justice Warren had announced his retirement, um, and President Johnson wanted to nominate Fortas to chief. And Fortas was already an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, but Republicans blocked it. Before I continue with the rest of the story, we're going to take a very quick message break. You could basically say that Republicans also blocked the um, nomination of a Supreme Court justice in 1968, but it, I would say it was much more of a complicated situation since John's, President Johnson was trying to shuffle around justices rather than just nominating one straight up. So Mitch McConnell is basically conducting his own precedent here, and he's basically saying... If you have the Senate, if you have control of the Senate, you can do whatever you want with the Supreme Court nomination. And there's nothing in the Constitution that stops him from doing what he's doing, uh, besides just, like, common decency and norms. Should Trump wait or not to nominate someone? He's already nominated someone. In my opinion, he was actually right to do that because the Constitution says you should nominate somebody. And it's not like President Obama didn't nominate anyone. President Obama did nominate someone. It was just up to Mitch McConnell and the Republican Senate whether to confirm them or not. And he completely 180'd on what he would do after that. Next, we're going to look at another one of Jane's questions. Should you vote for a single issue for a candidate, even if you don't like the candidate, because the other person doesn't agree with you on that one issue? So look, I think this is completely legitimate. You can vote however you want to. You know, there are certain things that I, for instance, vote for that are single issues for me. The first one is animal rights. If a candidate is trying to ban factory farming or extend kindness to wildlife, if they come up with a plan to stop millions of euthanasias in shelters, I will go for that candidate. I do this with climate change as well, where like the only thing that anchors me to the Democratic Party as strongly as anything 
is their stance on climate change. And I think their climate change stance is so much better and so different from the Republicans that it causes me not to even consider the Republican if the Republican is anti-solving climate change. It just is a brick wall. So I think if you have a candidate who agrees with you on the one issue you care about, you can go for it. Although, like, I can see the difficulty where if they're, like, a horrible discriminating person who is violent or their supporters are, like, ravenous, hate-spewing people and they just happen to agree with you on one thing, you can make a judgment call at that point. But you should not be on board 100% with any one party or any one candidate. You should have at least a few issues where you think the party might not be right on this, or Joe Biden might not have this perfectly right, or maybe Trump might have a point here even though I don't like him on everything else. So you should be thinking a little independently. Uh, and Honest Politics can help you sort out those feelings if you want to give me a call. Just email alex at honestpoliticsllc.com and we'll get started. Jane's last question is about voter fraud with mail-in ballots. There is no evidence of this happening on a large scale. There might have been like a few times it's happened, but it's very, very minor and it's basically never determined the outcome of an election. There are checks and balances at polling places. So when I did my poll worker training, I saw that you cannot vote absentee and then vote in person and have it count twice. People do this all the time where they vote absentee and then they vote in person. They just throw out the absentee vote. Every So basically what happens is all the votes are counted on election day that are voted in person. Those are called the unofficial results. And then the next day and the following days, they count the absentee ballots, add them all up, and they will not count your absentee ballot if you had voted already. They will just throw it out because they can check on their computer system if you voted already. The official results come out after every absentee ballot, after every court order ballot, and every affidavit ballot. Every <laughs> affidavit ballot, which are all kind of complicated. I don't need to discuss them. But there are such safeguards in place. There are multiple places where each machine's info is stored, both paper and electronic. Like, unless the polling site, like, I know Broward County just kind of sucks at running elections. So as long as you're in a halfway decent county that knows what it's doing, it's going to be extremely safe and secure. You can even look at how President Trump tried to convene a, like, a voting integrity commission and they disbanded the commission because they found absolutely no evidence of widespread voter fraud. So if Trump couldn't find it, it's not to be found. Lastly, we'll go on to my friend Good Guy Jack. So Good Guy Jack wanted to know one big question with lots of little sub-questions inside of it, and it is the most difficult question that I've seen so far. How do candidates decide to concede, defeat, or claim victory on election night? Well, if you remember from 2016, Hillary Clinton tweeted, whatever happens tonight, I'm still with you or something like that, way before people started to realize that things are going south for her. So she had information that the other news networks didn't have. That's because all of these campaigns have internal data. They have staff members going out and counting things. They run people to the poll sites to gather some numbers and then run them back. I've, I've kind of done this a little bit when I was interning for a congressional candidate. So 
These campaigns have their own data. They know what turnout is like. They know who's voting. So they kind of have a general idea of what's going on before the media does. Major news networks, um, there was a podcast by, I think it was David Pluff's Campaign HQ talking about how elections are called. It's usually called by the major news networks, Fox, CNN. These places have decision desks, which are like, have these statisticians behind the scenes crunching numbers. They have connections with every polling site or polling gathering place, basically. And they have a lot of data. And they're the ones who call it based off publicly available information that they can get really fast. The candidate will only concede if it's crystal clear that they lost. Because if it's close, you could do a recount, you could fight it in court, you want to leave the possibility open. So imagine the presidential election is close, they're going to not concede defeat until days, maybe weeks later. They will declare victory a little easier. Like if you remember, Pete Buttigieg declared victory in Iowa way before anyone else did. Um, and he was kind of right because he did win the delegate vote in total. I think that's because of two things. He had the internal data first off that said they outperformed their polls considerably. And then they also needed to win Iowa to have the slightest chance in the presidential primary. So that's why Pete announced early that he won. Some people saw it as anti-democratic, like an anti-democratic move to declare victory before the public information had come out. Uh, but like I said, these campaigns have their own internal data sources that they're collecting and crunching. On election night, the danger is that Trump will copy Pete and he will declare victory prematurely. He will Declare victory with unofficial results before the mail-in ballots are collected, before Fox News or CNN or ABC calls it. If Trump says he just won and that any other votes should be discounted, that is the red flag. That is the, if we don't stop this, our democracy is gone kind of a situation. And to be honest, it's all up to Trump what he decides to do. Is he going to wait? I mean... Exit polls, is it based off official results or exit polls? I think it's a mix, but what you see on election night, just remember it's technically unofficial because they're still counting absentee and affidavit votes. Are there constraints limiting when or under what conditions a candidate claims victory? Uh, so like I said, the tightness of the race, if it's a blowout, they're just gonna call it and run, cut their losses and run. If one person clearly cheated, <laughs> so, Basically, in 2018, when the person in charge of Georgia's elections, uh, Brian Kemp, won the governor's race over Stacey Abrams, that's kind of shady. Like, the fact that the person in charge of the elections in the state won the governor's race is kind of weird, which is why Abrams did not concede for a long time. Mayor Pete in Iowa declared victory because it was essential for his political survival for that race. Then there's Supreme Court decisions which can completely sway an election. Legitimacy of the court is so much that in Bush versus Gore, the Supreme Court basically said, let's just count the election results as they came in first. George W. Bush won the race. But the ultimate deadline is January 20th, 2021 at noon, which is when the new president is supposed to be sworn in, either re-elected or a new president. Then there's the last bit of a question. What would happen if one candidate claims victory on election day based on in-person voting results? 
but the other candidate refused to concede until the later mail-in ballots arrive and are counted. So this is the scenario that Trump has been priming the country for. He's betting that the Democrats, who largely take COVID more seriously, will vote by mail and the Republican voters will per vote in person by big numbers. So early in election night, there's going to be big numbers for Trump because it's all the Republicans who don't think COVID is as serious, and they're all going to turn out in droves and show the Republicans ahead on election night with those unofficial results. But then Democrat votes are going to roll in over time because they're being counted later because they're absentee votes. So Trump is going to want to delegitimize those later Democratic absentee votes that are coming in. He's going to make it seem like there's some kind of conspiracy going on, that the numbers are magically going up for Democrats, and that the Democrats are rigging the results to win, when in fact, there are professionals behind the scenes counting absentee votes and making sure that they're not the same as the in-person votes. The way the process works is not designed to turn around absentee votes within hours. It's designed to turn them over within a few days, a week, two weeks. Um, and considering how many absentee votes there's going to be, it might take a month or so before everything is official and counted. I think the nightmare scenario is if Trump declares victory like Mayor Pete did, although perhaps not based on any data like Mayor Pete's obviously was because he did actually win. But Trump is just going to claim victory no matter what and say that the rest of the results coming in from absentees and affidavits do not count. If that narrative is accepted and the absentee slash mail votes are discounted, our democracy is basically gone because once you start throwing out votes en masse, then what kind of democracy is it? We would live in some kind of hybrid state in between authoritarianism and democracy. If Biden wins by a big margin, if those votes on election night show a close race or show Biden leading, uh, then I think the problem's solved. I think, you know, Biden wins, Trump has a tougher time declaring victory, and even if he does, the Senate Republicans, who are basically the line of defense against us falling into an authoritarian state, will say, you know, I think honestly Mitch McConnell will be like, look, we got our conservative Supreme Court, um, I won my Senate seat, <laughs> and then they are just going to kind of say, you know what, Donald Trump, maybe we'll just take Joe Biden for now. We'll get our conservative, typical Republican next election, and then we'll take back everything from there. They're probably going to bet on Joe Biden not being a great president, not being a popular president, but we'll see about that. I hope that answered your questions. I was happy to answer them, did a little bit of research, and... Each research for these took about 15-30 minutes in total, so if you hired me to do this research for you, it would have been between 5 and $10, which I think is pretty good for like really custom political research. And I'm not going to keep pushing it on you, but if you want, you can email alex at honestpoliticsllc.com if you're interested, or find Honest Politics LLC on social media and send me a quick message. If you have election questions, or if you want to be a guest on the podcast, send me a message as well. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time as we seek to discover more of the stories behind the statistics. We're going to go to Maria's question... question.